0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Tom. Hello. And uh, we are back with what I think is probably, I think it's our first Robert Altman film in the collection. Okay. Yeah, he's got quite a few in there and he is a massive figure in American cinema, uh, especially sort of modern, you know, from the 60s onwards. Uh, so it's great to finally tackle one of his, and we're looking at his 1977 film, Three Women.
1: Indeed, and I think we should start by saying that this film, its inception, was a dream of his, is yes. that correct?
0: Yes, yes. I'll, I'll I think grab that. And, contextualizes I'll... the film quite a lot. Yes, I'll, I'll quickly pull up my notes, and uh... <laughs> Go back through the stuff. Um, all right. So, do you want the like the, the full backstory? Yeah. On the development. Yeah. All right. So, Altman uh, he came up with the idea for Three Women while his wife was being treated in hospital. Uh, he was afraid, like she was going through some treatment, and he was afraid she was going to be she was going to pass away. Uh, during a very restless sleep one night, he had a dream in which he was directing a film starring Shelley Duvall and Sissy Spacek. In an identity theft story against a desert backdrop, he uh, he said that he woke up mid dream and quickly wrote down a few notes on a notepad and then went back to back to sleep immediately to receive more details. Okay. <laughs> in his words, reconnaissance. Yes, to kind of be like, all right, what what else have we got here? Um, and then after fully waking up and kind of reviewing all the notes and stuff, uh, he was like, I, I I need to make this film. Uh, although the dream that he had didn't provide enough of a kind of concrete storyline for him. So he consulted and met with uh, Patricia Resnick, who is an author, uh, and they developed a treatment of about f- uh, 50 pages, and mm-hmm. uh, and they had absolutely no intent of making a full screenplay. Um, he had a really great working relationship with Alan Ladd Jr. at 20th Century Fox. Um Ladd was a uh, huge fan of Altman's and he was like, look, if uh, we're making stuff like Star Wars off on the side, like we've got our big budget, big Hollywood blockbuster stuff taken care of that can facilitate us to make these small, like, you know, $1.2 million weird little art films. I really like Altman. I like what he does. Go for it and um, just let him go based completely off of his pitch and that initial treatment idea and was like, yeah, you don't need a script, just go. I yeah,
1: yeah. it's a really interesting way to to go. Like, hey, I've got an idea for a film. It's from this dream that I had.
0: Yeah, and not to, and then to go forward and create a film that is entirely beautiful dreamscape kind of narrative.
1: And I think it's important that he also got to collaborate with a woman, Patricia. Yes. Yeah, very much so because it is about women. Yes, and I mean, I I knew that going in. You know, I kind of did like a little bit of a brief research session, very brief, to not want to spoil the film, mm-hmm. and knew that it's, it's a dreamlike film about three women that explores the relationships that women have with everybody else and themselves. Yeah. And so it's weird to have it coming from a male in some degree because it's, the film is about women told by a man, but the idea that you'd have a treatment and then develop a, a larger story by collaborating with a woman means that you can kind of tie it all together and actually get the uh, core that that works. Yeah, and not just that, but, like, actually
0: getting down to the nitty-gritty and actually filming and shooting the film, having no script and having the massive input from, in particular, your, your two lead actresses in creating the dialogue, the interactions, whole set pieces and scenes, the backstories of their characters. Like, it's even down to the level of degree of... The towns in which um, Pinky and Millie say that they grew up in are the actual towns that Sissy Spacek and uh, Shelley Duvall grew up in. Okay. Like, so, they've, so they're have giving themselves to the picture. Yeah, and they've completely like on board and like, we're going to help create this unique, interesting thing. And being somewhat familiar with Altman's work as I am, I'm not a massive Altman devotee. Um, I have uh-huh. seen a, a handful of his films, and I enjoy pretty much every single one I've seen. Um, He has a very distinct kind of cinema verite style. Like, I know I've been saying that a lot about the films we've been watching lately.
1: It tends to coincide with Criterion, I suppose.
0: Yeah, but it is that he loves his detachment from his subjects, where he will plonk his camera down, slap on a wide-angle lens, and just slow zoom in, or slow zoom yeah, out, or slow pan, just kind of... Just watch from afar. ...fly on the wall. Yeah. Just not actually put his camera in to be intrusive in the scene. He just wants to sit back and, like, let things unfold and play out. And I think that kind of filmmaking style and that kind of just go with it, just do, that. that works so well for this type of story and mm-hmm. that collaborative nature of kind of creating... Essentially, like, taking a step back and letting these women help create this... Not even Hellcrate, but, like, you know... Build it, yeah. Build this thing with him. Collaborate. It,
1: yeah. We should go into a kind of synopsis, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've i been toying with this idea. It, I thought, because, I mean, whether or not we want to do our little own interpretations, or I thought it'd be fun to maybe start reading, like, a little bit of the Criterion description. How do they describe
1: the film? That would make my life a lot easier.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I've seen. <laughs> Especially with this one, I figured it would be one where whoever does it will end up kind of just ending up saying and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens because there's not necessarily a strict narrative structure (laughs) behind the film. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that dream logic to it anyways. Yeah. So uh, according to Criterion, uh, this is what they say. uh, In a dusty underpopulated California resort town, a naive southern waif, Pinky Rose, played by Sissy Spacek, idolizes and befriends her fellow nurse, the would-be sophisticate and thoroughly modern Millie Lamoureux Shelley Duval. when Millie takes Pinky in as her roommate Pinky's hero worship evolves into something far stranger and more sinister than either could have anticipated
1: okay well there's a, a great write-up
0: yeah I'm like that I, re- I read that earlier today <laughs> and I'm like I just want to read that it's a
1: great so idea so perfect great idea so the film opens with uh, Pinky getting this job as a hydrotherapist Mm-hmm. in the hydrotherapy ward of a hospital, I think it is.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like a, re- a rehabilitation, rehabilitation clinic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for for senior citizens and things, yeah.
1: And so she's she's a young woman, uh, naive, childlike, timid, uh, all those kinds of things that you'd associate with a, a young lady kind of starting off out in the big bad world. Mm-hmm. And she gets taken under the wing by Millie, who's... I mean, her pers- her personality is... That of a kind of teenager almost I mean she's older than a teenager, but she has a real she's also quite naive oh yeah, and putting on this air of of let's say it's kind of a, a superficial wisdom if you want to call it that she's exuding the the person she wants to be not necessarily the person she is I think she's exuding who she who people think she ought to be in that. Do you know what I mean? Like she's. I,
0: I don't. necessarily agree with that. Who she she's ought to like. Who people think. I think it's who th- she thinks she ought to be, mm-hmm. not necessarily other what other people think she is because of who she is and how she's acting. It's very clear that a lot of people do not like her. No. Because of that. So it's not. Yeah. She's kind of. She. Whether it's her wanting to kind of punch above her weight, for lack of a better term, or like exude. You know, that's a bit like the writer said Thoroughly modern in quotation marks And like a world traveled smart, intellectual Kind of knows a thing or two about everything type person So that's what she just puts forth At a rapid-fire pace
1: (laughs) But once uh, Millie and Pinky move in together They're sharing a room Mm. Millie describes Pinky as a child And says you don't drink and you don't smoke uh, and you don't do anything you're supposed to do, but she's always frustrated. Millie's always frustrated anyway, doing what she's supposed to do, mm. quote unquote. And so she's, so it just it just screams to me that she's acting out what she thinks she ought to do in order to get friends and be a sociable person yes, and, yes. and have a kind of status.
0: Yeah, so that, that's a better way to put it. Like, yeah, she, she's going through the motions of acting in a certain way so because she thinks that's what you do. Yeah. And, you know, she sees the, out. the people at the bar, the people at her hotel complex, like or her apartment complex, sorry, like that she's acting this way because she thinks that's going to make her more personable and more easier to connect and be able to make friends with these type of people.
1: And that's important to her, but yeah, I mean, she doesn't she doesn't have the experience to figure out how you do that. Yeah, um, it, you know, and that kind of that kind of occurs in such a way that you, she meets Tom, who lives in the complex, and she'd like to go out on a date with him, but he's always sick, um, and I don't think he has. He says a single word; he's always just coughing as he walks past.
0: Yeah, it's because he doesn't want to. Yeah, have a bar of her, and then like, there's one one particular scene where like. She does her usual hi Tom or whatever, and like he doesn't respond, and she walks away, and the rest of
1: the group that are sitting there with Tom are just like hi Tom, uh,
0: <laughs> like openly mocking her and things, and
1: yeah, it's kind of sad. It is sad, and she's she's kind of deluded in a way too because they're all they're quite they're kind of open whoever they might be whether it's Tom whether it's people that live in the complex whether it's people that at her work mm-hmm. they're always quite cold to her to Millie's face, and she's either not aware of it. Or she is aware of it and she is just ignoring it because she, she, she might face a breakdown. Mm. But in any case, um, we haven't even talked about Willie, who's the third woman.
0: Yes, who is um, uh,
1: the uh, married to
0: Edgar yeah. and uh, the two of them own both the bar that uh,
1: Millie likes to go to as well as
0: the apartment complex that she lives in.
1: And they're all in these different stages of womanhood. Yes. So Pinky's young and naive. Millie's somewhat older and naive but definitely not wise. Yeah. And Willie is the wise kind of mother figure if you want and she's pregnant and so you have these connotations of of motherhood and and I mean that's that's the film watching these three women act out their lives uh, but also the women are separate and each going through different stages of womanhood but I thought what was really fascinating and adds to the kind of dreamscape situation is that they throughout the course of the film they transform and swap roles very much um, so yeah all over like uh, quite a few times um to the extent where it's almost like Mulholland Drive you know what I mean like
0: very much so yeah this is a very is it, is it hallucinatory dream uh doppelganger stuff that's very deep and heavy into David Lynch territory there yeah,
1: yeah. when was Mulholland Drive that's 2001 the, yeah so it's quite it's considerably later and I'm sure that uh, Mulholland Drive was inspired by by this to some degree too.
0: But also pre-Mulholland Drive, the idea of um, doppelgangers and two people becoming one, that sort of thing has always been a massive thing with Lynch, even like with Twin Peaks, Lost Highway Um, you know, there's you know, it's been an ongoing thing in his work for Mm. a very long time, so Mm. um, I don't know if that's just an influence thing or if it is kind of just altman Happenstance, exploring a similar kind of thing. But um, I do want to bring up, uh, I feel this is a perfect time to jump in, with uh, the tagline for the film, yeah. which a lot of people found kind of baffling when the film first came out in the 70s. Um, they were like, huh, what? I think the film in general, is a very avant-garde kind of different, weird little film, but if you're not anticipating it. But the tagline is, one woman became two women, became three women, became one. Okay, so it's really... Right. And, that, and that's the that's thing. Really like, oh, spelling it out, then. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I've seen articles and some things, you know, doing a little bit, bit of research under it, like where people are just like, huh, that's just really kind of obtuse. And I'm like, no, that's hitting the nail right on the fucking head. Like that's, you know,
1: blatantly telling the audience essentially. That's, yeah, it's, it's good to know the tagline because watching the film, you get a sense that you're exploring womanhood and all of its facets, but it's kind of ambiguous. As well? And it
0: is that whole cyclical thing of, like, one becomes the other, becomes the other, becomes the initial one. Like, it is this kind of cycle of these psychological or societal positions that women find themselves in, I guess, to some degree. It, you know, the, like you said, the, the role of, like, child, mother, grandmother is one. Like, you know, you've got all these... Different sexually active, not sexually active. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's, it's all of these things, and it's these... We're exploring all of these notions by having these three different characters that end up kind of swapping and becoming, and then you realise by the end of it, it's like, oh, this is just a giant thesis statement on... Being a woman. Being a woman, yeah.
1: And reacting to... uh, I'm going to say dominant man. The dominant man. Because what I found really intriguing in the film was the... uh, Willie paints several images one of them i think the most striking one is the one that's painted on the floor of the pool yeah up, you know up the sides of the pool and whatnot and it's these three reptilian females one's pregnant as willie is mm-hmm. and then there's this really dominating figure that's a male with his hands out and his dick fucking hanging out as a monster dong man <laughs> yeah yeah and it's re- <laughs> you know I mean, like, and it, he's it, this figure is he's outstretched arms like yeah, reaching like, towards them and yeah it's much bigger, much higher than the other three. I'd like the kind of cat, cat reptile things. Yeah. And just domineering. And I suppose, I mean, the the pregnant one is like obviously Willie. Mm -hmm. And then the two that are the two females, other females that are fighting, they're obviously pinky and Millie. And then obviously Edgar, who you mentioned was Willie's husband, um, is the male figure. And so, you're constantly coming back to these, these icons, which are primal, which are they're almost like mythological as well. You know, like mm. a, like kind of calling back to just the old ways. Doesn't matter whether it's the 1970s or it's fucking like year year zero. It's just women have been dominated by men. Yeah. So, and you can get the sense that Willie has kind of been dominated by. Edgar, right from the get go. Oh, from
0: like the, she barely speaks a line of dialogue in the whole film. She's always in a diminutive kind of position. No, and yeah.
1: There's there's one really striking scene uh, to, towards the very beginning where you first meet Willie, and it's uh, they both own a bar, uh, Willie and Edgar. And Edgar comes into the bar and he's sneakily grabbing a um, a, a glass of scotch whiskey. Mm-hmm. And Willie comes in and, and spies him and and. Just kind of doesn't say a single thing. Realizes that's him. Better leave it alone and just moves on. That just is
0: what it is, yeah.
1: And so, without saying anything at all, and just reading the face of of the actor, she's fucking really good actress, by the way. Oh, phenomenal! Yeah. Um, you just realize that she's she knows precisely what's going on, and she's experienced a whole lot of shit. Mm. And but it's interesting. In that same scene, we have,
0: I mean, obviously the whole kind of wide-eyed approach to this kind of environment with um with Pinky coming in and just kind of chugging a beer all in one go and kind of just being the wide-eyed amazement of like wow this is a bar this is what like this is Willie she owns it like all of this shock and awe essentially and then you have Millie in the position of like well I'm I'll, let me let me take you under my wing here and yeah. show you show you the ropes and like this is Willie she's really cool she's like the woman I look like She's again in this higher position again to Millie in the sense that she, you know, owns the bar and she thinks it's really cool without actually knowing the baggage and
1: things that she is dealing with. And, you know, this kind of underbelly of her character there. Well, Pinky's the same. Uh, She looks at Millie and thinks, yeah. Wow. Your apartment looks beautiful and it's really well designed and you're dressed in lovely very yellow things mm, well I mean with and you drive a yellow little drive pinto yellow. <laughs> yes. you've got your shit together but she she doesn't at all mm,
0: but that's what's the interesting thing is it is that like it is just a direct hierarchy of uh, a naive or innocent person looking up to who they is, think is a more established idea of womanhood yeah. and precisely yeah. grappling with that and trying to obtain that and you have that with Pinky initially like when she first comes in and that's where you get, kind of get the mislead of the film where it's This strange, waif-like looking drifter woman who has no ID, no clothes, no baggage, down to the point of that she has to wash her underwear every night because she has no spare clothes or anything. She's living out of a hotel. She only has a sewing machine. really quite odd. She has to fake her social security. And in doing so, and like faking her IDs and things to get a job, she fakes Millie's. She's essentially appropriating her identity to try and emulate him because that's what she's, like, wanting to become. And that kind of hits a fever pitch in the third
1: act when it's, like, she's claiming Millie's diary is her own and stuff. Like, I but. think it's, that's interesting because, yeah, just kind of connected that it's all... Each woman is going through transformations throughout mm-hmm. the film. And Pinky... It's almost like Tr- Pinky had had her transformation before the film started and she's coming to the hydrotherapy clinic for a new beginning. And it's even... Mm. The water as a symbol in this film is really fascinating. Yeah, the the weird little like tilty thing yeah. that's in front of the lens all the time, like washing across and trying to clean, and essentially. But what is the first thing that Millie does to to Pinky when she arrives? She dunks her under water. It's like a, it's almost like a baptism. Yeah, it's like a new beginning. We're going to wash away whatever the past was, and you're going to be transformed. And
0: just so happens, dance Pinky. Just the thing that she is, is deciding to latch on and kind of transform into is. Millie, <laughs> yeah. The next, <laughs> and, the next stage, in, yeah. in womanhood, yeah. And then you also have that also replicated in the idea that Millie is looking to Willie. I mean, I, I mean, it can't be lost on us, like the similarities between their names and things at this point. Also, the fact that Pinky's real name is actually Millie <laughs> is, is Mildred, yeah, just like Millie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think like Millie's kind of reaching and ascertain, like trying to ascertain that and grab a hold of that and take over that life that Willie has is her essentially sleeping with Edgar, mm-hmm. Millie's husband. Like, what is more I can become Willie than that? Yeah. It, it, yeah. So it's everyone's got their little thing that they're trying to reach and attain, except for Willie, who is just trying to, I guess... This is me slapping something onto the the film and her character, in the idea that she's pregnant having a child and stuff, that's her trying to essentially complete that journey? It's like, in
1: quotes of like, what a... a like, in her... None. Yeah, um, eh, well, well, um, we can explore that a little bit because um, I got to admit that I feel film, real, I feel iffy on that one. Okay. Real, really, that's just, No, that's yeah. kind of. I'd like to explore that a little bit. Uh, it's definitely a thing that the film spends a lot of time with Millie and Pinky. Yes. Not so much with Willie. She's always kind of in the background. Whether she's painting, I mean, she doesn't speak that much, so she's always kind of in the background. And I always got the sense that she's. Almost like a, a a victim of womanhood. Okay. And so, to say that that she's completing like mm, to to say that she's completing a, a, a the cycle of womanhood by giving birth. I think. Yeah. It, no. It's see, not,
0: the, the, that's why I was immediately backpedaling because yeah. I'm like, no, that's not the, at all yeah. what that like. But again, I was trying. I was I she wasn't was, I wasn't meaning it in that really strict. I was meaning it in the sense of like the the societal norms that have been thrust upon her as to what there's definitely an expectation to come th- the to expectation harder. of like well I've now done that that's that's what I was meaning I wasn't necessarily meaning okay. her fulfilment that's what like no that's cool. we have got, got to figure it out
1: yeah um, but she I think that she is a victim of Edgar oh very much because so. she she is pregnant and I mean the end result is this like fucking tumultuous scene um, that is a stillbirth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's such a sad way to, to end the pregnancy journey, obviously, but that's not the end of her story either. So no, no. So yeah. But in any case, Willie is more of an enigma to me. She's much more mysterious than the other two. And, and that, that makes sense. If she's the one, I mean, she'd be, she's older than me. She's more experienced than me. And she, I would be, I'm in that Millie stage almost where I pre- project what I think her life might be like. And yeah. I, I don't fully understand it myself because I don't have the experience.
0: And you look at it and you're like, wow, that must be nice
1: sort of thing yeah. there. Yeah. Well, she's, she seems contented in painting, mm. but, but we, it might be just an escape.
0: But we know absolutely nothing really about her. so And I think that's a very clear decision on Altman's behalf to be like,
1: let's just focus
0: on the two and then, you know, have this as this, un- like, you know this other thing happening off on the side that kind of entangles into the yeah. all yeah
1: but willie's also i mean she's the painter she's she's painting for a reason mm-hmm. whether it's i think it's it's almost not escapism it's more like let me tell you my story which is going to be applicable to you because you're a woman and i'm going to do younger. it
0: younger yeah in this very visual kind of
1: blunt way yeah so when you're young you you, you fight and you you force your way outwards. And when you're older you're more inward. But there's always that the man that figure of the man to the around you. Mm.
0: What's well, interesting, like I mean, you've been saying like the figure of the man, and I think Altman does a very good job as not like yes, that is a very major part of it, but I think he does a very good job of balancing it as not necessarily being just a strictly gender based patriarchy thing where it is also um, like for Millie in particular, like she the the kind of negative forces she's encountering are it's both gender it's men and women at her apartment complex that are kind of rude and mean to her and things the women the women at work and then in particular her initial boss at work yeah the like the doctor's a dick but it's the one that is especially harsh to her is her immediate superior who is a woman I think mm. like he does that nice so it's not necessarily men as the as the kind of negative force that's kind of bombarding these women it's it, it's more their circumstances and society I get
1: yeah I, no, I, guess. I don't yeah I don't want to pin I don't want yeah I definitely think that the film is not saying that men are fucked no and no. they're fucking shit up you could make an argument for that if you want in another film mm. uh, but it's not about men but, obviously, they play a role yeah. in, in, in womanhood, so... W-
0: what do you reckon about the scene where uh, Pinky wakes up from her coma? I, I realise, like, if you haven't seen the film, you're like, what the fuck is this
1: movie? <laughs> and I'm like, when she wakes oh, up from her is, coma. <laughs> it's supposed to be, People should be watching the film yeah. before they come to the podcast. Uh,
0: um, <laughs> uh, when, when Sissy Spacek wakes up from her coma and her parents have come from Texas and she's like, I don't know these people. Yeah. And flips the fuck out. Like, what? what do you think of that? Cause I love that scene
1: <laughs> Yeah it's pretty crazy um, So Are you trying to ask What does it mean That she doesn't understand mm-hmm. who her parents are anymore Yeah cause I, I Might my, my read on it and stuff So I'm intrigued to see If you if you. Had I, a... Well I took that at face value And I thought that It's um, just a byproduct Of the concussion It's a byproduct It's a, a temporary amnesia And it's mm-hmm. a byproduct Of concussion And I was more focusing on um, The fact that Pinky Tried to suicide Yeah And that was the transformative aspect of it. Very much so. Just the amnesia aspect was kind of a collateral. Let me... I know you want to jump in. No, no, no. Go, go, go. Keep going. Uh, So, (laughs) the fact that she saw Millie having sex with Edgar and thought, I'm kind of broken up now. I'm going to commit suicide. Jumps into the pool, which is really an amazing sequence because you jump in the pool, it's it's like amniotic fluid in a way. Yeah, and she's just Haltman has said I read um, Ebert's review and mm. kind of mentions that. Um, but it's the kind of the death of innocence, right? So Yeah. So she sees she sees like the the tragedy of, of an affair and her innocence is dead, so she commits suicide or attempts to. And then that's the transformation. The amnesia part, the whole, like, kind of, I've lost, I've got a concussion and I'm in a conco- uh, coma, it's all, that's the plot, but what it really means is just transformation has occurred. 100%. Yeah. Um, I, so, I, I read, I'd be interested to see what you think about the whole fact that she couldn't understand who her parents were, but I thought, I read that as just a collateral of, of, okay. the, of the plot, basically. mm what do you think it was?
0: Uh, I viewed it as, like, it's it's her... Like you said, it's like that whole thing is... It's a transformative experience, and that's what that is. And then the the rejection of the parents, essentially, is the her being like, I am growing up, I'm beyond you now. Okay. I don't... I'm separate to you now. I'm separate to you now. I don't recognize you. I don't know you. I don't
1: need I'm you. I'm my own
0: woman. I have transformed into this next phase and this next
1: which is, step. Yeah, which, I mean, that and that, that process is... Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. That happens. Yeah. You see, your parents is not like angelic beings that know everything. No, no. <laughs> yeah. You Separate and <laughs> yourself and you go like, hey, I I know enough now to know that you you're doing your thing and I got to do mine. Yes. Like, yes. Um, so okay, I like that read on it. That's cool.
0: And that it, yeah, it's just a, it just it's it's an add it's the kind of it's the capper onto that transformative kind of experience yeah. is and her transitioning from that naive childlike person in and then for the rest of the film we see her as. She's no longer that person she is transitioned into millie essentially down to the point of like don't call me pinky my name is mildred like she's she's middle-aged now yes she's made that transition and she so she
1: needs to reject the parents and yeah but then what's interesting is is millie reverts back to a child she becomes uh the younger pinky in a sense because she's the one reading through um pinky's diary Mm -hmm. and pinky's like finds out that you know Catches her reading the diary and says, "Put it away, you know. Don't do that again." Is just that's what mothers say to, to their children. Mm. And I think that's what
0: leads essentially Millie to like, it, yeah, helping each of these characters move on to the next progression of womanhood and stuff. It it needs to be spurred on by a, a traumatic or tragic event, yeah. and in the case of Pinky. Making transformation, it is that kind of. It's the
1: sex between Millie and Edgar,
0: which is break kind of breaks her and exposes the absolute loss of innocence. Which then is the suicide attempt, and for Millie, it's the, it's the stillbirth, having the tragedy to, of... and seeing the absolute rejection of Edgar of um, Willie hmm. <laughs> when she he's like just walks into their apartment in the middle of the night and he's just like, oh, she's having the baby now, and it's just the kind of abject rejection of that, and she's just like, oh, well, this is. It kind of helps reveal that, like, it 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 creates this like a a solid bond between the women. Words, it's like, oh shit, we got to do this ourselves.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, it's it's fucking, it's really, it's very deep, it's very powerful, it's very deep, and I think the fact that you you frame it in the context of some kind of weird Californian desert landscape that doesn't feel totally real. And more dreamlike. It's kind of in between worlds. It's, it's that, that California landscape, it's like smack bang, like in between like
0: Nevada, it's right near Texas and Arizona. It's in that kind of nebulous. It's hard to make sense of it. it, And it's not what you think of when you think California either. Yeah. Yeah, That is a lot of California. (laughs) Looks like that. (laughs) So.
1: Yeah. It's got a, it's got a, yeah, it's odd because it's, it's got a realism to it, but it also is kind of abstracted.
0: Yeah. Um. it's dealing with some real interesting themes and doing it in a very interesting very cinematic way mm-hmm. and I think like doubling that with oldman his approach to filmmaking where he he just is set set he was setting you as the audience up back mm-hmm. and r- essentially like putting you in a seat in a cinema and like just letting you watch these things unfold from a distance like that just dis- detached, disjointed kind of way ma- forces you to analyze and look at and explore what the fuck he's presenting to you yeah. <laughs> beyond a face value thing. It's it's phenomenal. It's it's really great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like even the, the colors that are used that I'm always... When I picture the film now, I watched it uh, yesterday mm-hmm. and I keep coming back to the vision of the pool and over the pool is... This, the balustrade is this odd purple Yeah Do you know what I mean?
0: Like, just the fact well, that um, I think their apartment complex Is called, like, the Purple Sands Like, everything's got, like, These weird kind of western-y yeah. But kind of off-kilter names yeah. and things,
1: yeah There's something about that That shade of purple uh, th- it's pastel-y almost. This is, it's not. It's somewhere in between, like a neon and pastel. Like <laughs> yeah, it it's it's the same with all of her
0: dresses and her car color. And she has that wonderful lime, where it's just like it's not a uh, it's not a mustard yellow. It's like a more of a Dijon. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I think whoever did the. Whoever chose to paint that balustrade that kind of purple mm. deserves an Oscar for set design. <laughs>
0: just for that one balustrade.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just really weird. It was really strange. It kind of put me put me off the whole time I was looking at it.
0: But that's kind of adds into the whole hallucinatory dream-like state of it all. And like we've mentioned a lot, that there's been multiple instances of... Um, you know sh- uh, scenes being absolutely shot through water where there's like one of those things you'd see on a desk that's like a wave simulator thing yeah they have just placed that literally in front of the lens so like we're having our characters just awash in like this when the film started i initially thought it was like being shot through like a gossamer curtain or something hmm. like just to add that kind of softness but it's
1: well i think sometimes it's shot through there's a fish tank on millie's desk yes yeah and it's that, and sometimes- and it's that odd blue water in the fish tank as well like but then that's that's I mean, that's usually put through... Not all the time, but it's usually put through when there's a transformation occurring. Yes. So, I mean, you come back to the, the stillbirth sequence and that's yeah. happening yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, and...
0: When we're first introduced to uh, Pinky entering and going for her job and things at the rehabilitation yeah. centre, yeah. it's at these pivotal transitional moments. It's where it, we it kind of, you know, yeah. being it's, washed it's, over and rebirth and things, and then um, as well, there's a buttload of... I I, I think of them as misdirects to some degree, of uh, mirror shots, mm-hmm. where it's uh, either Shelley Duvall or S- Sissy Spacek being in the frame together, but shot reflected through mirrors and stuff, and so that's that's kind of leaning into the whole, like... uh They're reflections d- of each other. Doppelganger-y stuff yeah. there, yeah, and it yeah. particularly early on in the film, you're expecting it before you realise the film isn't a specific straight narrative or anything, or, like, we're not actually going to have an identity theft film, and, you know, it's not going to be a straightforward kind of ABC plot film, you, he's shooting it with mirrors and stuff. Like, that's kind of techniques that you would see in a, hey, I'm stealing this person's identity kind of, you know, very base, stuff like that. And- yeah, but,
1: but also if, they're, if, if you want to take it as uh, they're all the same woman... In different stages then you would use mirrors too so
0: exactly but that but that's what i mean like when you realize that that's what he's actually doing and saying with the film mm-hmm. the mirror stuff takes on a whole new perspective but he's very cleverly laid it in as a seeming almost misdirect when you think the film is one going to be one type of story i'm saying in like the first 20 minutes or so when it starts to be that real yeah her faking the social security and stuff it's and cool
1: because water has its own reflection too so
0: Exactly. Well, that's the whole suicide scene is shot as a reflection of
1: from looking
0: directly down the pool, but we're reflecting her back yes, up. Like. Yes, yeah, f- that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very good film. <laughs> yeah. Altman's, Altman's pretty damn solid with yeah. what he does.
1: So, so it's like the transformations are obscured through the water too. I mean, even mm-hmm. the painting yeah. in the pool, is you're always viewing it through the water. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's obscured <laughs> as a result. Mm. Um, also... I keep wanting to coming back to the paintings because I actually, I just think the the care in, involved in the sets where you can't you can't just dress a set like usually films you dress a set and you go like cool it's ready, but with this the the fact that you have to empty a pool you have to paint the pool you have to fill the pool up and then the sense the set's finished yeah, uh, there's a really there's a lot going on there, there with the detail there's a lot of care there's a lot of Time, like a lot of extra time and care spent on the set. Mm. So, and it, it, it seems
0: like they just kind of went out to this small little area in Palm Springs and just kind of were left to their own devices for a month or two to just kind of make this little thing. Mm. $1.7 million budget, so like you know,
1: but also outside the bar, um, there's uh, Willie's also painted another mural, um, and in this one. It's like yeah, it's, it's near the, the There's a, a dirt a dirt track where the motor slow. Uh, yeah, there's kind of motocross going on. I don't know what that means, but don't need to read that into too much. No, that's um, just
0: the boys are riding dirt
1: bikes. Yeah, it's outside the bar. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I didn't. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't read into that because, like, yeah, it's maybe it's just boy stuff.
0: I mean, it's it's also Edgar
1: Edgar likes motorcycles and scotch and guns. Yeah, guy stuff. Yeah.
0: Thankfully, the film was called Three Women, so it's a very clear telegraphing. Like, focus on these ones, idiots. (laughs)
1: Like, these are this is who is important. But additionally, in those murals, you'll actually find um, above the paintings of the figures that are reptiles. There's there's snakes. Mm -hmm. Did you notice the snakes? I did. Okay, so there's a red snake. There's, uh, there's a couple of sim- like icons that are snakes, and then when Willy is practicing her gunfire and completing a couple of paintings, they're by like kind of you know putting bullet holes through the paintings. Their paintings are snakes, mm-hmm. and snakes uh, they molt and transform too. So there's this whole there's more transformation going mm-hmm. on, but it's all. It's
0: like I know mean? you were going to say snakes are like you
1: know, like dicks. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, no, not in this context. But it is very much a a dream situation where mm-hmm. you know, like when you have a dream and something will happen and you see, I don't know, if you do a lynching and shit, like a a dwarf, and you try and figure out what the fuck the dwarf means in your subconscious. Same way, I think Altman had these visions in his dream, and he just puts them in the movie, and he doesn't quite understand. I I also read that Ebert was talking to him and he's like, Altman said, I don't fully understand what yeah. I put in the film myself. Yeah, yeah, I've
0: got a couple of quotes about that. Okay, later, yeah.
1: Which I thought was cool because that does, it's very dreamlike in that sense where you put in symbols, which might be symbols because you kind of gravitated towards them, but you don't really know what it means and you try and figure it out later maybe. Um, and I think I think what I'd like to finish the conversation on, which we won't do now but later, is the final shot, which is the tires, which yeah. definitely I get the sense that Altman's dream finished on a on tyres yep and he I doesn't know what the fuck that meant oh no Can I've got know? what
0: he what that is okay I've got what he what he views the tyres okay yeah
1: but I feel like because I I mean we're talking about the end of the film now. yeah yeah no I'm, I'm fine with that yeah okay so l- well let's let's come to that after we talk about the what follows the stillbirth then because um do you think that Edgar was killed by the women? Yes. Okay. So the stillbirth occurs and it's very traumatic. Yep. Uh, to watch as a viewer, but also clearly, I, I mean, like, say what you want. I was watching it with, um, with Cole and she actually hates Shelley Duvall. Think she's a shit actress? Uh,
0: she's not. She's anything but I a know, shit actress. I I said, like, you... I get really annoyed the, about that. Like, I said, well, I don't
1: know what the fuck you're talking about, because she's a fucking good actress. Yeah, like... Especially in that stillbirth scene where she comes yeah. out and she's shaking with blood all over her, and it just looks The, the, the problem
0: with Shelly Duval, a lot of the time the characters she plays are infuriating characters, mm-hmm. and you end up being annoyed at the characters that means Shelley Duvall did her fucking job perfectly yeah. like she is Shelley Duvall I think is a great actress but I she agree. gets very short shrift and you know always lumped into like, like I mean the go-to example is The Shining where everyone's like she's terrible and I'm like no she's fucking great in that film but it's not a <laughs> you're, you're a bit like meh
1: yeah I, I do I get annoyed by mm. people that, that, that think she's shit because she's not shit uh, anyway Shelley Duvall's good yes People think she's not good, is bad.
0: Yeah. And I mean, uh, it, while we're on this note as well, Sissy Spacek, I think, is one of the best actresses ever. I mean, oh, really? I, I love Sissy Spacek. Paul also doesn't like
1: Sissy Spacek. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. Well, you're <laughs> just so hating good. this movie then, yeah. Oh, well, I was. We're kind of, we've shot off on a different trajectory now, and no, I'll come back to the end. But yeah. um, Sissy Spacek, she is amazing because. Yeah. She plays the innocent child in this so well. Oh my god! And when it's... she has her transition later, she's playing the sexually active teenager for one, whatever that might be. Amazingly, like you, she is so believable. Yeah, and they're two completely different characters. Yeah, and she nails both of them.
0: Um, you, you get like the real strong carry vibes off the beginning as well. Like that real innocent, like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But then she just like that when the transformation happens, you're like, oh yeah, that's why you're a fucking like Meryl Streep level rock star.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> she's phenomenal in this film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go back to, um, post stillbirth and there's this, the shift again, everyone transforms, um pinky reverts back to being a child again I mean, she even calls millie mother uh, in the bar at the end yeah yeah Um, well that's the that's the interesting thing whether or not
0: like you you take that end scene as dream or gospel or like whatever i
1: got my thoughts on that um millie becomes the mother and willie is grandmother becomes the grandmother and and I mean, Millie even looks like Willie in a sense, where she's kind of um, got the, for want of a better word, grandmother hairstyle going, whatever. Yeah. And Edgar's so, uh, Edgar's gone. He's had a gun accident, and all three women are living together, as it would seem, a family un- a unit, So mm. unit. So, I think he's the daughter. Millie's the mum. Willie's the grandmother. And what I take from that is it seems like they've killed Edgar mm-hmm. because this is another argument for they're all the same woman is they all learn how to, sh- how to shoot guns. Willie already knows how to shoot a gun and there's two separate scenes where Pinky and Will and Millie learn how to shoot a gun. Yeah. So it's, that's where you, I suppose I was thinking, well, they've used the gun and shot him um, for being a dick to them. And now they're all free from the dominant male figure and they're living as a family unit. But I think what I'm taking from that is if you look at them as all one woman, every aspect of their womanhood is at ease with itself. Yeah. So that's why Pinky it's, has reverted back to yeah. to a child?
0: They've found their, their balance, essentially.
1: Yeah. They're, they're not... It's it's really it's an interesting conclusion because it it says to me that if you remove the man, the woman is at peace mm. in some way, which it, which carries with it all sorts of questions. Yeah, uh, that goes beyond the movie, um, and you could probably do a whole you know. But yes, yeah. it's a question mark. I think the film kind of. Oh, very it, much. You
0: know. It's a purposely ambiguous ending as well. Yeah. Like he Oldman has said that he's. He wanted to make it ambiguous and like you know the you can interpret it as you will and things, okay. um, which leads me to something I wanted to um, kind of debate. I've got like two different things to throw at you here. Um, I first discovered this film. I was doing a course at uni, uh, psychoanalysis within film, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I watched this. Okay, this pretty good. Yeah, it's a good one for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this film is like massively con- like a go-to example for examining. You know, using psychoanalysis for characters within film, and I've got two different interpretations, and I'm, I kind of want to throw them at you and see what you. Do. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, I'll just. I'm. This is very base. I couldn't be bothered going back through all my uni notes, so I'm just going off of Wikipedia here. Apologies if <laughs> listeners. I'm be, the, yeah, I'd be surprised if you still had them since it was fucking so long ago. Probably not. There, like yeah. Um, so Altman has said that the film is about empty vessels in an empty landscape. Um, Psychiatrists uh, Glenn Gaber and uh Corinne Gaber, I believe the three women blah 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 being understood through psychoanalysis. Um, in theory a per- what says, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, I am just paraphrasing. Uh, in theory, a person dreaming can shift from one character into another within the dream. The three titular characters in the film represent the psyche of one person. Okay. Uh, whereas Pinky is the child among the three, Millie's the sexually awakened young woman, and the pregnant Willie is the mother figure. Uh, the Gabed siblings are uh, interpreted that Pinky, post-coma, has transformed into Millie, while Millie has become more of a mother figure to her, and Altman equated the death of Willie's child to the murder of Edgar, where the three characters appear to all have participated in. Yeah. So it's essentially like Just kind of wrapping up Like what we've been discussing Is one psychoanalysis take on the film
1: So they're, they're unified Yeah yeah.
0: Uh, the other one by uh, David Gevin Agreed that psychoanalysis could be used in the film But he saw the relationship between Pinky and Millie As one of mother and daughter respectively And with Willie at the end of the film Being the grandmotherly figure Who defends uh, Pinky from Millie's scornful mothering Oh yeah. You know the whole like Don't be so mean on yeah, her yeah, yeah. Like the 80 yeah. yard line things um and yeah so it's basically these are examples of psychoanalysis and it's i it's i don't those two examples of how it could be viewed i think like the old el paso taco ad like like why can't it be both
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I, i agree like they're both kind of skirting around the same concept anyway that's what i figure yeah um but, but I mean, the films—the films—designed to be nebulous in some way, anyway. So, so you kind of gotta associate what you can with what you've got. So yeah, and uh, you're, you're exploring womanhood in, in and you're bringing your own ideas to it, anyway. So
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and there, like I said, there's an absolute shitload of analysis on this film through the through the lens of psychoanalysis and yeah. how that pertains to the you know, three
1: and one of the psyche and it's yeah. You know. on, on the color yellow. Cause I, I couldn't really not that I didn't saw really, it's a case of the, I think Moraine breaking bad. She's got purple shit. Everywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: Whereas Millie's really focused on yellow for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, I, well, and I couldn't, I couldn't really figure out what yellow,
0: well, she she, she likens it to the flowers at the beginning, like it's okay. the type
1: of flowers that she likes,
0: and it brings and she finds they bring joy and smiles to people. So that's what her bringing.
1: Okay,
0: that kind of reflects on the her trying to want to exude what she you know the, when we first meet her. Yeah, what she thinks people want okay. from her,
1: I guess. She's just picked yellow because she thinks it's the it's.
0: The light, happy colour that people yeah. want to see. It's
1: inviting and Yes,
0: whatever. and so she's, you know, all her yellow clothes, yellow apartment, yellow car. She's kind of surrounding herself with something that when people see it, they will get a smile on their face. Okay.
1: Fair yeah. enough. Thank, yeah.
0: You. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, because I, I, I'll scratch my head. Mm. Um, I don't know, do you have anything else? I've got a bit of trivia for this one if we want to kind of jump in and... So we're, we're, we're running, you know, kind of high 40s, close to 50 minutes here, so... If, I mean, if there's oh, any else can, major... Can we talk about the soundtrack a little bit? Oh, yeah.
1: Because it's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that did it... Shit, I forget his name. Bert da, da,
0: da, da. Let me quickly look up who did the music. It was Gerald Busby.
1: Yeah, and I think he's classically trained, obviously, but uh, hadn't done too many scores for films. Mm-hmm. But this score is exceptional, fucking exceptional. Demented, would be the right word, the word I would give it. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is the film it kind of like washes over you when you're watching it. As you say, there's not much, there's not much of a plot, and you're just feeling these characters out. And the 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 soundtrack is playing nearly constantly, but it's always incongruous with what was happening it's like um it's like a dream it's like uncut gems in a way you know yeah yeah okay it's just there to kind of push you on edge a little bit
0: it's it's a pulse and a heartbeat that's kind of just helping guide you through it and things yeah yeah amazingly done music that's just kind of and it gives you that kind of like uncut gems is a great example a sense of existential dread and you know we're careening towards something yeah but you don't kind of know what necessarily um I have just seen You were saying Whoever did the set direction For this film Should have gotten an Oscar mm-hmm. uh, Set direction by Shelley Duvall
1: Oh fucking Really?
0: Uncredited Because it was Her character's apartment And given such license To create She she Created that apartment Oh that's,
1: that's Impressive <laughs>
0: Yeah <laughs> Again Come on Shelley Duvall is awesome <laughs> Yeah Um Trivia? Yep yeah. Alright uh, the film was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Actress for Shelley Duvall, uh, who also won Best Actress at the 1967, oh, 1977 Cannes Film Festival, where the film was nominated for the Palme d'Or. Uh, Robert Altman... Um, oh, no, I've gone through most of that. I, I thought this was actually funny, uh, going back to the kind of creation of the film, um, you know, and uh, Altman's relationship with Alan White at 20th Century Fox... Um, so Peter Biskind, uh, the author of the amazing book *Easy Riders, Raging Bulls*, mm-hmm. uh, reports in the book that uh, Altman and Tommy Thompson were driving to the airport when Altman said, uh, "Let's stop at twentieth. I had a dream last night, and I want to sell it to Laddie. Uh, keep the keep the engine running. I'll be back in a minute." Altman darted into Laddie's office, uh, made a deal for three women, and was back in the car in time to make his flight.
1: Huh. I thought just that like was,
0: that. Yeah, just like that. I thought that that was a beautiful example of like weird interesting auteur filmmaker and a massive studio just having a nice beautiful relationship there.
1: Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have that because I don't think that this was commercially successful.
0: No, not at all. Apparently, uh Altman and Ladd made like a marginal profit, but uh Fox lost money in terms of actually promoting the film. I uh, actually randomly as well to to the point and it, because it was such a weird unique little film, it never had a home video release. It was never available on Laserdisc or VHS, and yeah. it was essentially a lost film until Criterion, Criterion in 2004. Yeah, I read it. about that. Yeah. yeah. Which is, and apparently Altman had said like that the original film negative was actually deteriorating, and if it weren't for Criterion stepping in and remastering it, it would have been essentially a lost film.
1: It's a fucking gorgeous movie to look at. Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so the film, I thought this was interesting. Uh, the film was... Um, it was shot completely in sequence and on location at resorts in uh, Palm Springs. Um, each night, Altman would expand each scene from his treatment, uh, adding dialogue and imp- when improvising uh, in rehearsals with the actors. So they'd just be like, "All right, we did this today. What what are we doing? Ne- what happens next in the story?" He'd go home, flesh it out a little, go to set, rehearse for a couple hours, and then just shoot it.
1: Cool. Um, what about the uh, the fact that... I read this little piece of trivia. Yes. Um, Shelley Duvall, you Remember that sequence where she jumps in a car and her, her dress is uh, hanging out?
0: Yeah, I have that as the last a, piece an, an of accident? trivial trivia.
1: <laughs> yeah, trivial trivia. But I kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, the fact that she... That was a... a a quote-unquote messed-up take. Yes. Then Altman's like, hey, we, we're going to use that and we're going to recreate that again in another scene too. Yeah, it's to a reiterate. nice little quirk for your character of like you... She doesn't quite have it all together. That's right. Of,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, I have written down here that uh, Bergman's persona was a major influence on the film. Um, yeah, it kind of goes without saying. The right. idea of, um, you know... Uh, reflected women and you know the idea of so i haven't seen it, it, it's it's that's more closer to an identity theft kind of but it's also examination
1: of woman will reflect it. Oh. yeah um i haven't seen that so i think that's 701 on the spine um yeah so it's a long time quite a while away so maybe give it a whirl if you're if you're interested or in yeah. the mood well, going or. off last week i i can kind of like bergman now so <laughs> kind of on the bergman train <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: um, uh, even Altman has admitted that he wasn't sure what the ending would be, uh, although he did have a loose theory about it. Uh, Altman has said that the ending is meant to be ambiguous and open to interpretation. However, his personal opinion was that Edgar was buried under the pile of spare tires shown in the
1: final shot of the film. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's, um, <laughs> it's really odd. Yeah. To move the camera from the house. And to end to, on something that has been yeah.
0: so affiliated with men throughout the film, the idea of the motorcycle riding out in the backyard and stuff, and just end on oh, it.
1: yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I do get the sense that Altman had that in his dream, and he's just like, I'm going to put it in the film, I don't quite understand. And we'll and figure it out, and then, yeah. And it's a nice thing to interpret. Mm-hmm. Um, trivial trivia,
0: while shooting the sea where Pinky drinks the beer in one goal, RCC Spacek threw up on the first take. But immediately said Let me try that again And nailed it And it was the second take Used in the film <laughs> Okay
1: Um And this yeah, uh, That's kind of disgusting what she put in that fucking Salt Oh okay A little
0: dash of salt And then it makes it Kind of froth up And yeah Um And I suppose uh You've mentioned him before A film critic Roger Ebert Named this as the His personal best film oh. Of 1977
1: Hmm mm. Yeah, it's a good read. Uh, his his reviews are very good read. Yeah, so obviously Florida four
0: stars, obviously. Yeah, it's included on his great movies list. Um, you know, it's included uh, in the thousand and one films to see before you die. It's a very now that Criterion have kind of unearthed it and put it back out there for everyone. Everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very very well made film, and uh, I think uh, Altman uh, borderline one of his best. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I- I've only seen Popeye when I was a kid. Sorry. Popeye's an interesting one. That's starting to be reconsidered a bit. Like, people, people hated it. <laughs> yeah, no and it's, yeah, it's, I hated it. I was a kid, I hated it.
0: Yeah, it's a weird fucking movie, but it's starting to okay. kind of get a little bit of a cult thing. Um, but I guess I will talk about the Criterion edition itself. Uh, so it's still in print from Criterion as a one disc Blu ray, one disc DVD. Comes with an audio commentary featuring director Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. Uh, made, uh, I think, just a few years before he passed away. A gallery of rare production and publicity stills as well as the original theatrical trailer and television spots as well as booklet and essays and all of that stuff so not much but at least you have a commentary by altman which is
1: pretty cool uh there's also on youtube i found um there's a small video i think it's only five minutes uh, but it's a couple of ladies from Rodarte. it's Rodarte. i'm not a fashion person it's a fashion mm. Um, I have no It's no a idea. fashion business mm-hmm. that's apparently very big. And they kind of weigh in on, on the fashion, the colours that they talk about, the, ah. um, what Millie's wearing a lot of the time. And it, I don't know, it kind of contextualises the dresses and the, even they talk about the balustrade, the, the purple balustrade and what that colour purple means. Um, so it's a nice little five minute video too that you can check out. Lovely.
0: Um, we forgot to do it last week, but uh, are we sponsored by A24? <laughs>
1: Well, also, also that I got to be careful because if you say you're sponsored by something, and you're not. Apparently, that's bad. We might we might get a <laughs> <laughs> we might get in trouble. So,
0: like it. you know, in, in massive air quotes, sponsored, sponsored. by. It, it's more just us. Read, we like A24. We, we like A24. And we want to support them. In addition to Criterion, so yeah, we
1: forgot to do a recommendation. What's your recommendation this time?
0: Uh, for this time, I'm going to go with Lean on Pete. Mm-hmm.
1: A wonderful film starring Charlie Plummer. Uh,
0: Christopher Plummer's grandson, as well as uh, Chloe Sevigny, uh, Steve Buscemi—wonderful film about a young boy and a horse. Yeah, no, it, it's not—it's not that level of friendly with a horse, but it's no, it's <laughs> I, a beautiful, beautiful film that I loved from last year. So that—that's my A twenty-four recommendation for this week. But we'll be back next week with another criterion. We got Fritz Lang again. Okay, this is our second Fritz Lang after because we did M way the fuck back yeah a long time ago which I remember
1: really liking that
0: M's amazing yeah Um, and uh, we've got uh, Dr. Mabusu Testament of Dr. Mabusu
1: so have you seen that?
0: no I've seen uh, Mabusu the Gambler the first one I haven't seen the second one before okay or I could I mean I could be surprised and sit down and watch it this week and be like oh yeah I have actually seen this <laughs> I know I've definitely seen I kind of get a lot of those German expressionist silent films mixed up a bit I know I definitely have seen The Gambler and I've seen Cabinet of Dr. Caligari um, but yeah I, I'm not 100% sure I might have seen it in a double feature of both uh, Dr. Mabuse films at the Astor. I went when I was at film school took our friend Lee along as well okay. like yeah, I know. I've definitely seen one of them on the big screen. So I'm reading.
1: You may have seen this movie.
0: <laughs> no, I'd let, I'm not. I'm not quite done. I need to keep <laughs> explaining that I might have seen this film. How much time have we got? Let me keep going.
1: That's an hour at
0: least. Yeah, but um, I mean, other than that, thanks for listening, everyone. And if you haven't already, and don't mind us spoiling the fuck out of it, seriously, check out Three Women. It's it's really great. Yeah. Um, not for everybody, but it's very very good film. Um, otherwise, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at CriterionQuest. Otherwise, tune in in a week's time for The Testament of Dr. Mabuse. Cool. Mabuse? Mabuse? I don't know. Yeah. We'll
1: figure it we'll out. We'll find out next week. Yeah. Uh, but for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Tom. See you next time.